Hello and welcome to the Women of Web3 podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ingram. I'm also the founder of Women of Web3. We're a community that's connecting women in the next iteration of the internet through jobs, learning resources and connections. For today's episode, I'm excited to be joined by Lily Wu. She's a serial entrepreneur based in Singapore and you might know her project, Wow Pixies, which is an NFT collection and a DAO. As I don't want anyone to get left behind with jargon, you might know from previous episodes that an NFT is a digital file that can be bought and sold on the blockchain. A DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. So in a way, it's a group of people with a shared wallet and everybody gets a vote on how that money is spent. There's no leader. So with WOW Pixies, having a Pixie NFT is like having a share in a company and that share gives you voting rights. And what they're funding ultimately with this pool of money is women-led and diversity-led projects in Web3, which is super exciting. Lily's background is she's started two companies, one while she was still a teenager, which is so impressive, and I'm going to let Lily tell you the rest of her story. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Lily Wu. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Lily. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, brilliant. I'm going to start off with a quick jargon buster, because this is aimed at beginners and every day is a school day in Web3. But I'm giving you a hard one, which is how would you describe a DAO for absolute beginners? Well, first of all, a DAO is an acronym for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. How I kind of would describe it is that normally in day-to-day society, Web2, we kind of operate in centralized organization, which means that there are people at the top, they make all the decisions, and you kind of don't have an input as a consumer. With a DAO, because it is decentralized, how it usually works is that you're making these decisions alongside your consumer. And how this is done is through the issuing of tokens. So we issue these tokens through people buying this NFT and each NFT basically represents one voting right. Mm. So as we're making these decisions as an organization, the community can put forward these proposals. We have a specific group that helps narrow down the proposals and then it goes to a total voting. So um, we use a tool called Snapshot, which can identify the number of tokens that you have in your wallet. And say you have seven wild pixies, then you get seven votes. Mm -hmm. You have 200 wild pixies, you get 200 votes. Um, And so even if I want, if the decision is choose A, B, or C, and I want A to happen, but B is the most popular choice, through the voting system, then B is what is the decision that's going to be made. Mm -hmm. So it really gives your community the ownership of making those decisions to influence where the direction of this organization goes. And that's very different to Web2. Thank you. Before jumping into Web3, because I realized I made us get straight into the detail, but before that, you already had two seven-figure businesses under your belt before you even embarked on a Wow Pixies uh, the first one was when you were still a teenager, which just blows my mind. Were these also in tech or just kind of tell me a little condensed version of your career so far? Yeah. So I grew up in a very artistic background. My parents are both artists. So actually I had no kind of desire to go into business ever since I was young. I actually wanted to become a graphic designer or an animator, like go to Japan, do Amazing. animation, <laughs> cool. nothing to do with business. And Basically, how I got into entrepreneurship was because during the financial crisis, my parents had to shut down their gallery. We went through kind of a very rough patch um, where, you know, tourists weren't coming to Australia. So we weren't making any money. So they went back to China to figure their own life out. And so they left me with $100 at the time. And 
I, I thought that was it for the three months that they were gone. But looking back, they probably just assumed that I would ask for more once I ran out. But <laughs> I, I felt that I felt guilty. <laughs> so I was just using my pocket money, trying to live on every last cent, eating instant noodles. And then I just was like, okay, it's time for me to like find a part-time job. And everyone was getting jobs at McDonald's and KFC and fast food chains. And so I, I didn't think it was a big deal to work after school. The only problem was that I couldn't find a job <laughs> because for some reason, you know, it would be a room of people and we would do an interview and I'd be the only person not employed. And I was like, why do they want to employ a, you know, underage, underage <laughs> worker? But anyway, so I thought, you know, let, let's think of something else. And I was really obsessed at the time with these Adidas Jeremy Scott winged shoes and basically they retailed in Australia for $300 and I had just met this girl my one of my friends her parents owned an Adidas outlet in the U.S. and you probably know but the outlets in the U.S. are insanely cheap just to give an example I would go to the U.S. buy you know Calvin Klein underwear three packs for $12 but in Australia they cost $60 per pair so it the arbitrage opportunity is a lot and so Australia is also one season behind. We're always winter when it's your summer. So by the time it's in fashion, Australia, it's already out of season in the US. Mm -hmm. So add that to the US dollar was down. And also, you know, every like the whole economy was down a lot cheaper and retail prices usually 70% markup. So I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity. So the shoes actually ended up costing $40 per pair wholesale. And Compare that with 300, I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I asked my friends, yeah. you know, if you want to come um, like and bulk buy these with me. And so um, I had a group of guy friends and I told them, hey, you know, with shipping, it's $80. But if we can get an order of 20, then we can get shipping basically free. Do you want to order them with me? And one of them said, if I can get you an order of 20 by then, like, what do I get out of it? And I just thought that was a really interesting kind of mentality because I always felt really guilty of charging my friends more. But he really told me about like win-win kind of mentality. And so I was like, that's really interesting. If you can get me an order of 20 by the end of next week, you can charge whatever you want as long as it's more than $80. So I'll take a $40 cut. But if you want to charge $250 and make $170, like go ahead. So you can just see his eyes just like light up. He's just like so happy. And so went to 10 other friends, said the same thing. My MVP, like minimum viable product was basically one Excel sheet, one Word document, one Facebook page or $0 cost. And I, I set it up, sent it to them. They would give me a $40 bond to pay for the shoes. Um, and so by the end of that week, I had 10 guys basically give me 20 orders each, each making $40 profit. So in one and a half weeks, I made $8,000 in profit. Um, so it's basically just a bunch of network marketing, zero <laughs> tech. So impressed. Like as a teenager, that's like next level. I just, yeah, I, I don't even know how you would think to do that, but like, well done. And so what was the business after that? So that was the business in high school. I did that for around a year and a half to two years mm. um, until I graduated. And by then I had made around half a million dollars for property. And I thought, you know what, wow. why don't I join an accounting firm? <laughs> Which I thought was a good idea at the time because I thought 
oh, well, now I'm interested in business and accounting is the basis of business. And I joined this global kind of accounting firm and I just thought, you know, it'd be cool to wear a suit, go to an office as an 18-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So that I quickly became extremely disillusioned because I went in, it was nothing like what I imagined. I just didn't know what I was expecting, but I just felt like I really understood what I never wanted to do again. It was just everything that I didn't value. It was extremely micromanaging. It was, you know, very monotonous work, as you can imagine, doing tax returns and Mm. financial statements over and over again. And so when I had quit, a lot of my friends would say, you're just lucky you got this out of high school. You don't know how competitive it is in your penultimate final year to get into one of these positions. And I was just super relieved that I had experienced this in my first year and I hadn't wasted four to five years of my life doing accounting and law degree and thinking that the trajectory of my career is to get into one of these big companies. So I promptly quit after a year and I started a second business, which was called Austrian International. And what that was, was basically, it was just solving my own problem. So the three things that I was trying to solve, one was I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just wanted to experience more. The second thing was that a lot of my friends would say, how do I get experience like with no experience to begin with? Third thing was that I wanted to make sure because I was doing an accounting and commercial law degree, you know, I had seen this LinkedIn article that said, JP Morgan designs software that replaces 360,000 hours of what lawyers do in seconds. And I was like, great, all of my degrees are going to get automated, not going to go back into accounting. So I think I need to find out what transferable skills I can do um, so that it doesn't matter what industry I go into, I can always adapt. So those are the three things. So I ended up launching basically these career accelerator boot camps around the world in Singapore, Hong Kong, Sydney, Melbourne, Shanghai, New York. And I ran that for five years. Basically, it was like a three-week boot camp where I would partner with one corporate and one startup so that students could see what kind of environment that they they liked, that they experienced, that they valued. And then the company would give a problem they're facing, and then we would teach them design sprint to solve and create a prototype test, go through the whole design thinking process, um, and pitch it back to executives by the end of one week. And then the company would spend that week with them and see you know, how they problem solve, how they do teamwork, and they could also have the option of hiring the students out of program. So I grew that bootstrapped as an 18, 19 year old to seven figures, completely with no funding. I actually tried to raise money, but you know, I, I really faced the issues of having two female co-founders trying to raise money, even with a lot of traction. And I ended up exiting after five years, so around when I was 23. So yeah, really old by then, yeah. yeah. So old. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, this is just embarrassing for the rest of us. I need. Oh, I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have invited you on here. <laughs> so all of this trajectory is before you even like got into Web three at all. So okay, so you no, have to tell yeah. me now. How or why did you pivot to Web three? Like, what was it that drew you in? Was there like a person or a, you know, an article, something that kind of made you think, right? I need to be here. Yeah. So I think after I had exited, I had joined a startup. I moved to Singapore for three years. And then just before I joined Stripe, I was actually given a job at Apple and I had done three months of interviews, you know, waited three months for a visa, but then the visa failed. 
So suddenly I was unemployed for four months and I decided during that four months of unintended break that I would go back and start doing some commissions. And everyone was just telling me that I should look into NFTs because people at the time had just sold that $69, $70 million art piece. And they were like, you're doing art. There's this someone selling $70 million (laughs) of art. I was like, how is this relevant? But I was like, well, I'm bored as hell. So I'm going to go look into it. My first mint was probably March or April where I had put down on my to-do, figure out NFT, OpenSea. And so I had drawn this random thing on my like on my iPad whilst I was sitting on the toilet. It was literally a two-minute drawing. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to mint this thing. And then I didn't realize that it cost me $300 to mint this piece oh, of yeah. crappy artwork, literally as I was sitting on the toilet. So <laughs> I was like, wow, that was an expensive lesson. I should have minted something better. But now it's stuck in my wallet forever. And that was my my first mint. Mm. And then so after that, I was like, okay, not going to blindly mint random things. That's going to cost me an arm and a leg. So I'm just going to start learning about it. And one of my friends is a crypto whale, did a lot of DeFi projects, made a lot of money. And so she told me about how like CryptoPunks was getting really big. She told me about Bored Ape. And then finally around July, she was like, you have to get this cat. Like you have to get this cool cat because some celebrity had changed their profile picture on Twitter to a cool cat. So it's going to blow up. And I was like, sure, you know, I'll buy a cool cat for 1.5 ETH. And I was like, wow, did I just really pay $4,000 for this cat picture? And then I I was like, crap, like, what did I do? And I was like, hey, to my boyfriend, you have to get this cat (laughs) with me. (laughs) And then I made three other friends buy this cat with me. I'm such a bad influence. Like, I don't even know why I'm buying. I'm making other friends buy it too. So we all buy this cat. One each or you pulled your money together? No, we bought one each. <laughs> we nice, all paid nice. 1.5 ETH each. And luckily, you know, eventually it went up to 11 or so. But 11 was, ETH? Yeah, cool cats. Oh my God, why are, you even, why are you even working still? Just like flip, <laughs> flip some more NFTs. Um, no, I've made plenty of. Also, I got my wallet hacked. So yeah. Oh anyway, my, oh my um, actually, as a side note, do you know it was also really nice just hearing when you're talking about a crypto whale. So like somebody that's made a lot of money out of crypto is a she. I, I just I, I wasn't expecting the next part of the sentence to say and she said it's nice. To yes, be. I know a female crypto whale, but it was really yeah. funny because you know she has been in space for quite a long time, built her own projects, made a lot of money. And she was very much like a great flipper of like, she holds like countless crypto pounds, like 30 board ape. <laughs> um, and yeah, <laughs> she was a very early buyer. <laughs> and, and when I asked her, you know, I was one day into NFT world, bought this cool, cool cat. And then I bought a Robotos cause I thought it was cute. And then I saw world of women because I just minted, like a few days before. And so I asked her, what do you think of this world of women? I really like this art. And she was like, I don't recommend it. 
because 90% of this space are men. So they're not going to relate to what mm. a woman. I was like, wow, that's like the most depressing thing I've ever heard. So then I, I bought three. And the next day, though, Gary Vee suddenly posted about it and Logan Paul just suddenly bought a whole bunch. Oh. And the price literally went from 0.4 to 2 ETH that next day. And my world, the three water women, two of them sold at 2 and 2.5 the next day. And I wow. was like, what is happening? Because <laughs> wow. I thought it would take six months. Or I was yeah, expecting yeah. like a year for, for this time. I just priced it at a random price because I didn't expect it to happen. Oh, so, so you just kind of like left it for sale, not basically not, with not knowing yeah i was like yeah. day two into nfts and so yeah and then my friend saw that and she went and bought 90 word of women but okay <laughs> you're gonna like, have to stop talking about this friend because this is just making me feel bad about my life <laughs> the rich get richer at least it's a she um <laughs> but it was i was just like wow the, like that was the turning point into my nft rabbit hole because i feel like it's when you make your first sale that's when you it hits you you're like oh crap like this is real and it was just because it was this third day in nfts i was like suddenly so super sucked into it and then it kind of just goes all downhill from there but <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no but then i just kind of like you know experimenting obviously made some money but also lost a lot of money just like doing degen plays then i realized that i suck at degening and i should just hold things that i like because every time i listen to someone and other than the cool cat part like i'm like oh maybe i should make this flip it always ends up in my wallet i can't sell it and now i hate looking at it so i don't know what to do with it. so i think i just end up hating it will you tell listeners what degen means oh degen is short for degenerate and it just means people who kind of just do degenerate things like things that are not rational so you buy these stupid looking things and then you try and sell them for higher but sometimes it just goes down to zero so really you're just it's not based on anything substantial it's just mm -hmm. all speculation all hype so mm -hmm. don't recommend just kind of the same thing as a shit coin in the kind of crypto space you know Aside from like Doge, like every other kind of coin that you think is stupid is probably stupid. So yeah, that basically degening. So I just ended up buying things that I liked. And the things, the common thread of the trends of things I liked were all women-led projects. Um, like Boss Beauties, I was like, wow, there's no way that this could fail. Because, you know, the like I just was so inspired by Lisa and how she managed to get the New York Stock Exchange to agree to hang Boss Beauties before even Mint. I don't even think any project has achieved something like that since. And for Boss Beauties, because of World of Women was suddenly out of reach for a lot of people, I literally made like 20 plus people buy Boss Beauties, including our head of sales at Stripe. But <laughs> I was just like, you should get this. Buy this, buy this, buy this. And... I just really loved like the mission and I also bought Women Rise, Women and Weapons, like Curious Addies. I love the team at Curious Addies. And I just thought, wow, like these are really competent long-term thinkers. Mm. And I started to really see like, oh, I can actually put my money, like treat it as an investment. You know, I can really invest into these people 
kind of like angel investing, like I do in my day job at Stripe, working with VCs. I see that not a lot of VCs put money into women founders, myself included. So Mm -hmm. why not, if I can, you know, play a small part into making these women founders succeed and reach their mission in a different medium, why not? Um, So that's kind of what led up to this point. Amazing. I mean, that's yeah, a pretty crazy story. I wanted to I wanted to ask about Wowpix invests in other women led NFTs. So can you talk me through what kind of benefits DAO members get by being part of it? Yeah, I think the number one benefit is that they get to research and actually put more money into women founders hands. Um, And I know a common question, you know, kind of what you were hinting at before was, you know, do members get any direct financial returns from these investments of NFTs? And the answer is no, just because it's a fine line to to walk when you promise any direct financial returns, it becomes a security. And so the first thing that we did was like, we had to hire a lawyer to make sure like, how can we actually think more creatively in terms of what kind of benefits we can provide to our community members that isn't direct, just if we sell an item, distributing ETH, for example, in, in course of that. So we do that in a couple of ways. The first kind of benefit is that when we buy up these NFTs into the DAO, we become an extension of those communities. And so we have a lot of people who join WoW Pixies for the very first time. And so they have very, very limited ETH. And so by joining us and by holding the NFTs in our DAO, we get the direct benefits from all the other communities that we hold. So for example, Curious Addies is an education NFT. They have created three courses with NAS Academy that actually costs $500 um, if you are going to just pay for the courses around NFT, uh, seven days uh, learning NFTs, Crypto 101, web development in Web3. And so by purchasing 15 ETH of Curious Addies, we were given 150 of those codes and all of our members were given access to different tools that Curious Addies had built exclusively for their community. So this included a portfolio tracker, which then they were able to kind of whitelist everybody within WoW Pixies as well to use those tools as well. Mm-hmm. And in terms of other communities like Meta Angels, where they have a lending function within their smart contract, we can directly lend out Meta Angels to our community members so that they can apply for their Angel Labs Accelerator program, for example. Likewise, for like World of Women or Boss Beauties, if they have conferences, galas, we can lend out those to our community members. So they get to experience and learn about all of these communities in a very safe environment before they make the choice of whether or not to actually purchase them themselves. But overall, just a more educated decision making before they proceed into this chaotic Web3 environment. The second thing is that we have come up with kind of different ways to reward holders. And this is kind of written in our second roadmap, which is how the question is like, how do we actually directly relate the floor price actually with the items within our vault? Because often, even if you fractionalize it with tokens, um, actually the floor price has nothing to do with the items in your vault and the value of the items in your vault. 
And so what we have come up with is this concept of a pixie market, which we are in the process of implementing. But the idea is basically that you can swap the number of pixies that you hold for certain items in the vault. And in that case, it will tie the value directly with the vault as well. Um, so that's the second thing for people who want to actually swap items. And then the okay. third thing is that we have created Pixie workstations where the DAO voted in different leads of different spaces. So marketing lead, growth lead, community lead, tech lead, legal think tank lead. And what this does is that it creates kind of ways for people to contribute and we track the contribution within a, a tool and we are able to distribute the ETH that we get to those contributors. So even though we cannot promise that the direct gains from the investments will go to you, but if you contribute, then you can also make ETH that way. And that has nice. many benefits because it ties the direction, the growth of your project directly with people who are actively contributing, but also they can actually start to build experience in Web3. And so many of them, if they feel like I'm a lawyer in my Web2 job and I want to transition into a Web3 career, now I can contribute as a, you know, say legal think tank lead. And mm -hmm. we offer this thing after two or three months, we actually mint their contribution on something called proof.xyz as a kind of a Web3 resume, an NFT on a blockchain. So they can actually prove that I worked for Wow Pixies if they don't want to start their own project, which is a lot. I was a legal think tank lead and, you know, I can look for my next job in Web3. So those are all these different ways. Um, and also the fourth thing is that we are creating one of the first DAO created NFT collections. So we actually found an artist within the DAO, which was we held a competition. Um, everyone submitted their artwork and then the DAO actually voted for the top five and then the top artist. And then now we're working together with the DAO to come up with this three-step process to create the next 10K collection together with the DAO. And so this is a really great educational component for WOW Pixie members to see step-by-step -step how to create a project together. So I know a lot of people want to create projects. So this is the way that they can learn how to do that. Nice. I think I think because we're talking to beginners, well, Pixies is actually quite complex. So even though I've you know read quite a lot, like on your own website, your Notion site, and uh, looking at your Twitter and things like that, and I feel like I still learned a lot more today. And I think for beginners, I guess so. We're thinking about a sort of collective of people that you're initially volunteering your time, and you can earn cryptocurrency back for how you contribute to that essentially like a collective and yeah gain experience in the world of web 3.0 and nfts so you can partly put that on your cv but also be solving real world world problems so that you then know you can like apply that in a more formalized proper job in inverted commas way and uh, uh yeah i do know that some of that's probably going to go over people's head but i don't know i think yeah I, I do think it's really exciting what you're doing and i guess it feels like a sort of a, a big area of innovation i think that's i think that's what excites me about web3 is that initially i thought maybe it was the technology that excited me and then i was like mm, actually some of the actual mechanics of blockchain and dao tooling actually maybe isn't my interest area i think i'm interested in like creativity plus technology and also like these new 
a, a new mindset for like how we might work in the future. And yeah, that feels quite exciting. It's a big mindset shift from the traditional hierarchy that we know in the workplace and yeah, fl flattening that to a kind of decentralized model. My last question about Wow Pixies is why did you decide to end up creating a DAO? Yeah, so actually the reason why I was called Wow Pixies is because my me and my two other co-founders are both very early WoW buyers. And then so initially, World um, of women, you know, yeah. a lot of women, yeah, sorry, World of Women, mm -hmm. sure WoW. Um, World of Women is, you know, one of the first, at least the first most prominent women project. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were extremely, like, we were all just diamond handing, like holding on to our World of Women basically forever and not planning to sell it and we just thought it was so undervalued mm. uh, compared to the amount of work that it does and like compared to all the other projects that were doing extremely well like board ape like crypto punks it's just not they're just 10 or 20 times more than world of women even though they're kind of in the same league and i just thought that was a shame one of the things initially that was actually prepared proposed early on in World of Women Discord was whether we could actually create a DAO to invest into their royalty World of Women. And a lot of people don't know about this now. Oh, I read about this on your website. So I was like, yes. how does nobody know this exists? Tell me, tell me. So it was on their website in the beginning, but they took it down. So now it's not so well known, um, but it's 19 World of Women specific NFTs within the 10,000 collection. Um, have specific traits. So they have a coin necklace and a coin earring. And basically there's only 19 of these and they split 2% of secondary royalty transactions across these 19 holders. So just by holding this NFT, you get around 10 to 20 ETH every single month. Um, and I, I think wow. they don't publicize this anymore because they're also worried about like, because it's so early, they didn't maybe didn't realize that there could be some legal issues. But I think it's, I think it is fine because there's only 19 of them. And, and the reason why people buy World of Women is not for these royalty World of Women. So I think it's fine, but they just don't publicize it anymore. And so I always thought that was the best investment choice because, you know, if we can pull together our money, it means that it can give us 10 to 20 ETH every single month. And so we bought the the first thing we did with the DAO money was buy a World of Women royalty for 135 ETH. And in January, the first payment or back was already 23 ETH. So if you can imagine, wow. the entire royalty amount was is meant to go on for 18 months. By the time we bought it, there was 12 months left. And if we get 20 ETH. What's that so in... Um US dollars roughly to 20 ETH, probably what, like $40,000? It, it was around 80000 at the time when it was worth 4000 Oh my God. USD, but maybe around, what, 80000 Yeah, or six, around 60 something thousand now, probably. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and if you can imagine, if you get 20 ETH, you basically, we wanted to tie our liquidity to something that's not just our own monthly transactions, right? and to a project that's much more successful than ours to ensure that we have monthly liquidity to keep our project going for the next 12 months. So that's why we did it. And it meant that the money could then be refunneled to buying up other women projects and supporting other women projects as well. So it becomes this giant flywheel of 
investing in women, making that money, putting it into other women founders, and then bringing more women in. So educating more women. It's it just like becomes this whole cycle where money can translate into power and independence. It's yeah, it's really cool. I'm honestly really impressed. And I think I know you said you sort of started out in accountancy, but I think a lot of this is probably quite a steep learning curve financially for people you know not just in terms of like uh gaining or losing money i, I mean like i don't know the, the, the terminology you're using is is not just from the world of nfts like you know liquidity and things like that so um i think that's no no i see that as kind of a positive that like it's lots of people have so little exposure to this world and these kind of words and so it's probably better that we do have a bit of a better understanding of it of like what's really happening in these like bigger financial institutions that we are already used to understand what goes on behind their doors and then be able to understand why this area is sort of revolutionary and sort of flipping those models on their head. Yeah, no, I've, I find it super interesting. So I was wondering, or could you tell me for any women that are curious to get to know DAOs, because I think they are a little bit complex if, if you're not familiar with them yet, is there anywhere that they should go to sort of better understand the mechanics of them or like somewhere they should read or look up immediately to kind of get going? Honestly, I think the thing is that things like DAOs, things like NFTs, it's everyone's just trying to innovate constantly and there's no one model in which a DAO can operate. There's no one model in which NFTs can operate and it keeps adapting and adjusting because at the end of the day, if you look at what the long-term use case of what DAOs, of what NFTs could be. NFTs is just a, any token that identifies a unique item. So if you look at web to a web page, it's just kind of like a web page with ownership attached to it. It can be anything that you want it to be. So whether that's like in real estate and in supply chain and in all of these different industries, it's going to require, it, it basically is whatever you want it to be. Similarly with DAOs, I think that the benefit is that with you owning a token to represent your ownership of this project or this particular initiative, it just means that, you know, there is an aligned incentive of what you're already trying to do as a company, say previously a brand wants to build better relationship with their consumers and they, so they develop all this user-generated content. However, the brand owns the user-generated content and the user usually gets nothing out of it, just mm -hmm. they like the brand. Mm -hmm. But now with DAOs, you know, because they own a part of this company or this project, it means that you can directly attribute everything that you do. And so this suddenly becomes an aligned incentive of you wanting to contribute more, you wanting to, because you can also receive rewards from it. Um, so, I mean, that's the only difference, I think how people, businesses, brands, communities actually adapt that is all kind of going on the fly. Mm -hmm. But in order to learn more about DAOs, I think a good resource is actually a DAO called Odyssey DAO. And they have really great, simple content on the basics of NFTs, the basics of what a DAO is, the basics of Web3, DeFi, 101. So I would recommend checking them out. And nice. I would just recommend joining a DAO. So it's mm -hmm. it's easy-ish once you join it and experience it. It's a bit hard to kind of theoretically visualize it until you experience it, I think. It's just like one of those things. 
I think that would help me actually is that I, I'm not part of a DAO or at least not yet I think that's why I still have this like just weird confusion about them <laughs> but I do find them really exciting and yeah kind of innovative and that's yeah that's, that's what excites me so thinking just ahead to the next few weeks and months is there anything that you're looking forward to any like big events or big moments that are coming up yeah so we have quite a lot of big things coming up I'm really excited for the next collection to launch so we're in the process of creating that I'm going to be flying to New York in both May and June May to speak at the UN um, about NFTs DAOs Web3 um, in general and how they can help more women. Also in June, I'm going to be speaking at NFT NYC as well. Some exciting things happening. Honestly, like this space moves so fast. It's kind of crazy what happens in one month. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. So lastly, Lily, where can people find you online? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. Uh, My handle is NFT Lily. I I'm on WowPixies, NFT, Twitter all the time. You can find me on Discord. You should join our WowPixies Discord, by the way. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn. Yeah, all that. It's Lily Wu. So, so I'm just all public. <laughs> oh, um, well, it's been it's been really great chatting to you. And actually much funnier than I thought it might be. Uh, just because, like I said, I found Dials confusing and you made Dials hilarious. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Thanks for having me.